You're not, you're not convinced by this attempt at a beard? No, I think what are you, who are you trying to be? I'm just trying to be lazy. Are you? Yeah. You look a bit like, do you know Barry Glenn Denning who writes for The Guardian? No, but you I was hoping like, you were going to say Barry Gibb. No, you don't look like a bar- <laughs> Barry Gibb, bro. I tell you, <laughs> we could be the Gibb brothers. That'd be nice. What's your favourite Gibbs Ooh. brothers track? You should be dancing, yeah. That is a good one. I have to say that is anything from that sort of Saturday Night Fever e- era yeah. is a go-to, isn't it? It has a little bit of the sort of uh, I want to say early career Elton John, but you know, like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, it's like about the seventh album or something. Yeah. But that era, and then and you know that Inner Vision, Stevie Wonder thing going on, what an era. Yeah. You can stick your Genesis, your prog rock up your ass. Oh yeah. I mean, what's that all about? <laughs> to a Pink Floyd concert. When was that? You're not old enough, are you? No, but my, one of my younger brothers is really into drugs. And there was an irony in that my mum wouldn't let him go to Pink Floyd on, on his own. And it was, it was one of the first times I went to Leicester because the bus stopped on the way. And my brother hopped off the bus and scored some drugs in Leicester bus station. Got back on the National Express down to Wembley Arena or wherever it was. And uh, how were they, the, uh, the Floyd? I don't know. I wasn't moved by it. No. It, it's a weird sort of thing as well because everything about it is spectacular, you know. But if the music doesn't mean anything to you, you can only sort of appreciate what well, there's a giant pig coming out of the wall or there's a aeroplane clearly on strings going across my first engagement with pink floyd was uh, another brick in the wall was number one in about 1980 wasn't it mm. or something you know and it was like it was like a really de- i mean it was a depressing time in my in my life really the 80s i think we discussed that last week but i think it was i mean i know the eight, 1980 that's that's the 70s isn't it you know we all know that but you know it's that era isn't it and, and for me it was I found it really a really depressing song at a really depressing time. You know, Thatcher's been elected. We're still dealing with fallout from the 70s and stagflation and all that stuff. And oh, God. So Floyd comes along and it's just like, oh, this is just like, this is not the post-punk I need. Then I listen to it a little bit to kind of Dark Side of the Moon, you know, and Wish You Were Here and all of that kind of thing. You're told, aren't you, that they're iconic. You listen to them and you think, oh, all right but yeah. you know it seems to affect some people deeply like so both my brothers are really into it and well they're also <laughs> really into a lot of things as i've just mentioned it's really in their dna i suppose that they love it and i think oh, i can't put on a track that's going to last nine minutes like, it's the best mode all the way for you isn't it mate it is in it yeah you know i was listening to violator earlier were you yeah that's an album isn't it it's brilliant isn't it that's an album that's probably one of my top three albums of the 1990s, even though it was out, it was out in 1990. 
Yeah. Well, we all know that that's the 80s, isn't it? Yeah. One of my top three albums of the 80s. All oh, right, yes. My Depeche Mode. I'll wait to put a lid on a decade, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It's a great, it's a great album. Although, I was I checking out the reviews on Pitchfork or something, and they weren't that they weren't as, as brilliant as I thought they'd be. No. How's your week been? What have you been doing? I had some time off, so it was quite good. Have you been maintaining a healthy lifestyle whilst you've been off for a week, or have you let yourself go for a week because it's been the first week since Christmas that you can let yourself go? Do you, do you know this from following my Strava or no 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 i say this because we fast (laughs) twice a week as you know we've been fasting since christmas twice we haven't had a week off since christmas it got to monday i walked out from our house and then went out through abbey park up sort of belgrave and it was like uh, i don't know seven and a half miles or something and i got back and i thought i'm hungry I should be fasting. I'm on leave. If we weren't in the corona crisis, I'd be in Portugal and I wouldn't be fasting. I yeah. thought, and so I thought, sod it, I'm having a week off, you know, when I don't fast. So yeah. I've not been drinking every night, but I have been, I've not been on the whatever it is, 600 calories twice a week. Yeah. I cut myself some slack this week. So I wondered if you were, if because you, you're on leave, wondered if you would loosen the strings a little bit. I've loosened, loosened the cork in the bottle, so to speak. But like, yeah. actually, I've kept my exercise regime up. In fact, increased it bizarrely, but probably just by fluke. Have started, you increased it? Um, using a kettlebell because we've had, we bought one from, you know, Aldi have got the <laughs> Isle of Mad stuff nobody yeah, needs. Yeah. <laughs> so I bought a kettlebell ages ago, and it was just there, and I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And then my mate said, oh well, Joe Wicks, there are other uh, instructors around, but he does this twenty-minute online thing for free around kettlebell so i started doing that and then but i started running further as well how far are you running how far are you running i've knocked out 20 25 miles or 24 miles so far this week there's two still two days to go where you've been going then i went i'll tell you what was interesting i went have you heard of a place called hocking farm road no where's that it is in braunston and it was it's obviously there's no farm there now it's it's on the periphery of a housing estate but the people who live there it's quite interesting they've got really nice gardens and really colorful yeah. uh, fronts to their houses in what was what must have been 1950s social housing do you know uh, this woman called um alison levy who used to work at dmu and she is at papeva on twitter and i think that's the kind of uh, maybe that's the latin name for a poppy and she blogs about gardening she, i think she owns a house with a at the back substantial sizable kind of garden you know it looks amazing if it was open on, on one of those sort of national garden schemes i'd be in there it'd be brilliant lovely to go around so i follow her on twitter and like read her blog and i'm sure that i'm sure that's over there somewhere that would be about right because there are a number of those like like on um beaumont lees isn't it with um with stocking farm farmland sold off for, for sort of social housing but then they're also not traditional social housing design as well. I suppose everything it must have been that era of the 1950s. Everyone's getting more aspirational, Americana, the race to space or whatever. I've done a lot of walking this week, you know, try and get the back. My back is, you'll be pleased to know my back is getting back on it, really. So that's that's nice. Two things I've been doing. You've been going all Joe Wicks on your sorry ass. I've been going yoga with Adrienne 
or Yoga with Adrian. I've heard her described as the vanilla of yoga, online yoga teachers, but she's got a cheeky little glint in her eye. I've been doing that, trying to get my yoga for sciatica, or maybe it's yoga against sciatica, actually. Yeah. Yoga beyond sciatica. Also, I've been doing more walking. I have done 12K walk a couple of times a week, and also feeling a little bit guilty about it. I spoke to a mate on Tuesday who lives out over Kibworth. He was saying that he's been out sort of walking. He was out, and there was a um, there was a note on a farmer had left a note on a gate saying we have to work here go home don't touch the gates don't touch the styles don't touch whatever and i thought it was really interesting and he was arguing that um, actually he was being careful so it wasn't an issue and i was sort of saying yeah but if everyone from the city went out even if they were two yeah. yards apart it'd be an issue right and that was quite was really interesting it made me did make me think about it. if i go out for like an hour and 50 walk am i being selfish it's an interesting one though isn't it because you're not in the same place though you're not and you're not in a huge crowd of people or you're not seeking to be and i'm not touching anything or anyone I haven't yeah. touched anyone, Mark, all week whilst I've been out. <laughs> I haven't touched anything, you know, like a fence. Uh, it's interesting because I kind of watch myself and I'm not deliberately steering clear of any street furniture or anything, you know, so you don't brush against yeah. anything and hyper vigilant in terms of people. And yeah. I think what I've noticed this week is a, a few more people sort of saying thank you when you move out of the way. Yeah. But today, an insane number of cars on the road in Leicester. You know that government thing last night about you can drive to go for a walk as long as your drive is not as long as your walk. So I could drive to Scotland as long as I was going to do a sort of 17 hour walk or something. I just sort of feel that there's, there's, a, there's definitely a herd immunity thing going on, right? They don't care. Yeah, definitely. It, it did seem like a strange. It's like the clarifications weren't helpful. That's what no. I felt. They are going to give people license to abuse the system. And they're happy with it, right? They don't give a shit. As long as the economy keeps moving, they've got that whole eugenics thing anyway. Oh. There's a sense that they believe the poor are poor because the weak stock, right? The yeah. DNA, their human capital is thin and all of that. And we weed them out and all of that kind of stuff. And who cares if a few geriatrics die? Gets them off the social care bill, right? I feel angry about that, but I feel today, I just, I looked down when I was sort of out for my walk and I looked down Hinkley Road and I'm thinking, and I'm just, well, what, you can't do anything, can you? And these cars are flooding into town. It's like a normal, I don't know, I'd say it was like a normal Sunday. It was that sort of level of busy. All right, yeah. it's not like rush hour, but it's it's pretty busy. It should be it should be a rarity, shouldn't it? To see a yeah. car go. How have you felt about the old street diary this week? I feel like it slowed down a bit over the Easter weekend. So yeah. people taking holidays as as they should. So it gave me a little bit of time to tidy up as well. So. Oh, I like that. I like what you've done. Curated it a bit. Got a nice feel to it now with the uh, side panels with the imagery on it. And obviously you can link through by contributor as well. So that's been good. I keep thinking that I should make a bigger effort to promote it. Like, should I create yeah, a Twitter feed? I've, um, well, do you think we should? I don't know. I, I, don't think, know. It's, I think it's doing all right. It's getting, I mean, I've, I'll continue to ping it around the, the road WhatsApp group. There are some people that I thought would have contributed who haven't, that I'm a bit surprised about. Yeah. Well, we've got some we've got four or five hardcore contributors no that's really good in fact you know? if i must say so myself my favorite contribution this week was my photo of the cobbles at the end of the road being oh, yeah. uncovered through the tarmac i don't know how you feel about it but i kind of love the fact that we can we get revealed this kind of 19th century leicester over um lechworth road if you've kind of walked up there at the end of at the top of some of the the sort of the the, the spine roads that run off Les, uh, Letchworth down towards Hinkley Road, at the top you could they've, they've uncovered 
patches, I don't know, maybe maybe a two-yard width of cobbles are there, so you can see the kind of original. And it's almost like these are being revealed anyway on our side of Hinkley Road. It really makes me think about the labour that must have gone into excavating the clay that went into making those bricks and then just laying them, hammering them in. Just the amount of labour that went into that, and which then makes me think about the amount of labour that went into building those houses. And if you look at the kind of our bit of town, the Victorian, that Victorian bit of town, just the number of people that must have been involved in house building, just phenomenal. What a phenomenal amount of work went into that. When you think about labour, do you think about it as a happy thing or an unhappy thing or just a thing? I think about it as an unhappy thing generally. It's a good question. I think some people think that they're happy in their work. And I think that those people are either deluded or on crack, or are less alienated in some way, or have deployed some amount of cognitive dissonance in order to be able to get through the day, I suppose. But when I think about Labour, really, I'm thinking about kids in the Democratic Republic of Congo having to mine rare earth metals. I'm thinking about backbreaking work in Vietnam, people having to kind of farm rice that's being exported and they're getting NAFOL. I'm thinking about child labour and exploitation in all over the shop. I'm thinking about even in Leicester, sort of modern day slavery. I'm thinking about that kind of stuff. I'm thinking about sex workers and sex work. And I'm wondering about levels of expropriation and exploitation and alienation. And that it's very different for lots of different people. It's very different. But as I think about my own labour, and I do feel that we've discussed being privileged, haven't we, in the past? And I do feel I do feel privileged. And I do realise that I, I have a tendency to self-harm with my own. Work too long, work too long hours, work, do too many things throw myself into voluntary work as well it is uh how do you feel about it i think when you talk about labor i think i think of it as a negative thing when i think about labor i sometimes think particularly in the cobbled stones which had me thinking about this that obviously i knew i know that you attach a lot of negativity to labor but then i was thinking about well maybe this was positive labor things in leicester at that time were booming and that jobs were being created and people were doing this work it was a a less marketized environment so those stones weren't imported from Sichuan in China crafted by men in Markfield or Colville or whatever and and the positivity I think I see in labor I suppose I kind of see it in terms of you know Johan Johansson is he a Swedish composer who he I think he died of a drugs overdose very sadly three or four years ago. He did the music for Arrival, you know, the film Arrival, yeah, which is like an amazing and beautiful film. And he did the music for that. He did this great album, which included this track, the which back back on a mutualism and cooperative labor. And it's called the, the, the Cause of Labor is the Hope of the World. It is this great track that it actually would connect to the cobbles, which would effectively be your point, that these cobbles were excavated and mined and shaped and fired. Well, I mean, a lot of them are blue bricks, right? So they might have come from Staffordshire, so they might have come from near where I was bought up, but they might have been come from Colville or in that kind of mo- sort of mining area of Leicestershire. And the argument being that it was our collective labour that 
our collective skills, capacities, skill, knowledge that made the world. And we get kind of exploited or alienated because the system co-opts it and then monetizes it or marketizes it or extracts value from it. But actually, it's the labor and the work of people like you and me and people like you and me across the globe and women across the globe and young people across the globe who are, they're the people who are generating the skills that move us forward. They're the people who are generating the skills that release the source code for the RNA, the genetics of COVID-19 that enable us to come up with some solution. Trump might want to buy the solution, right, for America. But it's people like you and me who are who are sequencing the genome, who are then trying to come up with antivirals, who are coming up with hopefully with a vaccine, you know, or, or who are discussing social distancing and what we need to do. And for me, the cru- the crucial thing is that we the positive because you are right. I'm quite negative about all this. The positive is that we understand that it's people, humans who are doing that. It gets captured by silicon valley entrepreneurs or whoever the hell it might be but the critical thing for me is that you, that we celebrate those individuals and those groups and those research groups and those communities who are finding solutions and who are building things locally so that's where we celebrate work as opposed to labor which is taken from which is like exploited that's the positivity you are right to drag me back to that do you know the other thing i've noticed this week joe i've posted do you see the one i posted today joe yes. joe writing about you know true. my last my last walk and my last swim and now i've had to clean the grout and the tiles in the shower and all of that i think that's really interesting about the way in which we look at life i agree and we're looking at it differently now yeah i suppose from my own perspective i keep trying to predict Rather than think about what I'm looking at differently now, I'm trying to second guess what the differences are going to be in four to six months. I keep having to say to people about flattening the curve, this constant phrase, this desire to flatten the curve is not a cure for the illness. It's by means of managing the illness by best utilising our frail health system. People I'm talking to are kind of saying, well, we'll have flattened the curve by then, so we'll be all going back to work. Yeah, but you can be all going back to work and still get it. The risk is going to be there. The burden of the risk of you getting it is not going to be as great on our NHS because they are going, hopefully, people are going to be getting it in manageable numbers. And people don't seem to understand that. They think flattening the curve means it's somehow being eradicated. Well, there's a lack of corona literacy, right? Is that a desperate need to get back to what we had rather than an understanding that now we're living with the virus? This is us living with this virus before the next virus. So it's a desperate need to kind of, oh, we can we can win the war because it's a war, right? Everything's a war. So we can win the war on this and then get back to what we had. And that's what they're after. A lot of people, well, I'd quite like that. To be honest, it's just I think the government is kind of playing this game and and, and it is the Conservative Party are playing this game. And it's very similar to Brexit. We're going to get Brexit done. I'm going to get it done in the fastest time possible because we're the party of doing things or whatever, usually screwing people over. We're, we're the party that will get this done. We're going to, get, going to get Brexit done. Brexit means Brexit and so on and so on. So now they've come into this situation. And when Boris announced the initial lockdown measures, he talked about three weeks, which is an absolutely ludicrous thing to do. And nobody's saying that. Now, another announcement by Dominic Raab on Tuesday, we're going to have another three weeks. Why are we saying another three weeks? There's, no, there's absolutely no chance 
that things are going to be lifted in in three weeks. What do they think is going to happen in the next three weeks? This, this is insane and misleading. It's just unrealistic. I know they can't say, well, we don't know how long this is going to take. Surely the message should be, this will be as long as it takes. And it could be three months, six months. Two weeks ago, we knew it wasn't going to be three weeks. Yet one, like lots of people were hanging on that to get back to normal like, like you mentioned yeah, yeah. now this has come around again oh it's another three weeks so they're hanging on again and they'll get to the next three weeks so what's the logic there's been a good couple of good guardian daily podcasts about effectively kind of comparisons i suppose with i between britain and ireland and also germany and the different approaches where the approaches that seem to be much more mature not this kind of bellicose little england uh, post empire we're gonna get this done we're gonna beat this thing we can defeat it like it's you know like it's the, like this is the western front or whatever the hell it is and a, and a real a distinct naivety there within the, the ruling class almost around that versus a kind of much more mature approach that says look we'll explain to you about what the resources are the implications of this why we're doing this what it means if we don't do this about infection rates about trying to get it try, trying to get the infection rate below one because then we are, we slowly kind of strangle the ability for the virus to kind of propagate itself that we just don't have here and i kind of wonder why that is for me that a lot of that mirrors what's going on in the states with trump as well and whether there's that very deep and visceral connection between us and the united states whether that was born in the american revolution or not i don't know you know but there's there's some kind of screwed up kind of relationship in there it's a dance of death right it feels like a dance of death in a way that is kind of anti-human I don't know what we do about that. I don't know how we struggle for something different that's more mature and that says to people, you have the ability, we can work with you to have the ability to understand this and therefore what not driving up the Hinkley Road means. You know, why yeah. we would want you not to do that. But we don't ever have that goddamn conversation. And I wonder why, and I wonder, you know, people have to put food on the table. It's back to some of the stuff we were talking about last Sunday. People have to put food on the table and all of that. It's a difficult one, but I think some of it as well is is the, a complete inability to imagine another way of life. Yeah. To imagine that actually we've got to slow down, we've got to stop, we've got to do other things now. Well, have you been taking care this week other than running? I've just noticed you've just taken a swig of beer whilst I've asked you that question, so that's a good one. What is your answer? How, where yeah. do you stand on the whole trying to sit with yourself thing? Because I wrote this long blog post this week about mental health and a friend who's a therapist got in touch with me and said, thanks very much for writing that, Richard, but I'm not sure I agree with you on the mindfulness stuff because he's I, I was arguing for kind of long-term therapy and we need to imagine a world in which beyond the kind of current world which is very alienating and in which we've got like a mental health crisis for all sorts of reasons and we focus upon an ecosystem of help and support for people full of mutual aid and therapy and less alienating work and all those things and i was quite dismissive of this idea of we'll focus on people having a positive mental attitude and doing mindfulness and sharing the wealth in terms because there were a couple of tweets from people who were sort of saying well a lot of you have been in therapy and you've been able to afford it and everything there'll be a lot of people who are in lockdown and self-isolation who can't afford it well let's share the wealth then and i think my argument was well how the hell are we going to do that in order to work through it you know it took me a decade with somebody but it did stop make me stop and think well actually in this moment maybe some of those sticking plaster things those mindfulness things doing yoga or tai chi or whatever it might be which is not sticking plaster because you would do it for over a period of time maybe they're really important do you do any of those things any not really 
stopping and thinking about yourself and no it wouldn't occur to me to do that read lots of books and articles about these entrepreneurs who get up at 5 a.m to be more productive and then spend their first half an hour meditating and i think well surely i'll just fall back to sleep after i had my first breakdown i was living in darlington so this would have been about like two, the year 2000, something like 2000, 2001. And I bought a few self-help books, I guess early mindfulness type books, and started to do meditation. And what I found was that the sitting position was so uncomfortable. I used to get really bad pins and needles and it was game over for me. Yeah. There was only once where I felt something shift and I had this flow of energy through my body. I guess part of it is I've never really practiced it enough. There's definitely, I'm yeah. sure there's something in there. I think you need a pro for that kind of lark, to be honest. Um, and the idea that I'd hire someone to tell me to relax is, is ridiculous. What's the story with uh, the family this week? Well, Sarah was at work today. and uh, How's that going? It's all right. It's manageable. It was, many uh, children in? No, not many. Something like a handful, if that. And uh, so I got the boys out on their bicycles. Out to the park? Really early, so not to bump into people. How were they about being out? Because last week you said they were a bit nervous. Yeah, they don't like it. When If you go out earlier, there's fewer people, and I yeah. think they can handle that. The thing is, is, obviously, I want them to be healthy and get out and get some exercise, for one. But two, I want to, to remind them that there is a big, wide world out there as well. It's not just all Cartoon Network and YouTube and yeah. the things they do during the day, because it could be in this situation for weeks. three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. And I've been able to go and jog with Sarah so that that's been quite good because we never we both go running but we never ran together before and the boys are a bit older now so all, all of these things have been quite good and not I had noticed though because I said my Strava mileage had gone up that when I'm when I'm working I don't get as much time so yeah that's probably the reason it's gone up do you feel like with this out with the boys on the bike running with Sarah do a bit of reading. Does this signal a fundamental change for you, do you hope, in the long term, in the medium to long term? Or are you hoping that this is just a short term thing and things will go back to how they were? On a personal level, I would still hope that things got back together, like got back to some some normality. But on a global scale, obviously, I'm a sustainable development goal meister. And there are lots of positive to the world slowing down, like even like, well, in terms of carbon production, it's ridiculous. And I think we can even see that in our own gardens and our local parks. You can hear birds for possibly the first time in your life living in the city centre. People are saying that they're seeing huge bumblebees in their garden things like that these are things we desperately need rather than what i personally need the planet needs this so yeah i want to get back to some order mainly i think well how's it going to pan out with all our jobs and things like that because we can't sustain being employed to the level we are for a number of economic factors linked to this virus so i worry about that where is it going to go over i've been made redundant before it's not fun you know as you get older you don't want to keep restarting your career over and over again so on a personal level I'd want things to get back to normal just to have that like constant in my life I've already started thinking about well well if, if everything like does go reels then what's the plan b I've already started thinking about things like that I'm more thinking about all the homeless people who have been taken off the streets during this pandemic 
that's got to be a good thing, you would think. The factories have stopped pumping out carbon. Unnecessary flights are grounded. All of these things, those are the, those are the real things to stop and think about. But I guess if I was a pilot working for EasyJet, who incidentally emailed me 10 minutes ago asking me if I fancied a trip to the Canary Isles, <laughs> then maybe they know something we don't. You know, may, maybe... You know, if I was a pilot working for EasyJet, I might be thinking slightly differently to this. Isn't it great? All the planes have grounded. One of the things I've been thinking about all week has been, I mean, we had two things. First is the inevitable grief of my nan's passing because she's getting weaker. Yeah, that's the thing. And I've been thinking about the struggle for something else. And while we're all in in lockdown, um, apart from the people who are driving down Hinkley Road, we're in lockdown. And we are at home and we're separated and all of that. But the world hasn't stopped turning and, you know, there's still deliveries and stuff's happening. And we we might use this moment of free time, in inverted, free in inverted commas, free time, to consider what the world might look like afterwards, the world to come. Yeah. What is to be done? What world do we need? Do we want? Think about it in, in all sorts of ways. So I see a plane flying above me. And I think, God, I would not want to be in that tin can with that recycled air. I think to myself in terms of the useless use values that are being produced all over the world. There's stuff that we need, right? And there's stuff that we don't really need, but just gets kind of produced for all sorts of reasons. And we're thinking about sustainable development goals or whatever it might be. We might want to think about what the priorities are and who are we flying in from Romania to kind of make that or pick that or do that or whatever it is. And what kind of politics do we have and what types of governance do we have and what types of regulations? do we have and how do we source stuff locally and how do we build stuff and I'm thinking about that a lot in terms of Leicester you know and how how do we link up then with regionally and nationally in order to sort stuff and if we're thinking about having to place the economy on a war footing after this whatever after means when we're living with the virus well that's going to require a lot more planning and it's going to require a lot more nationalization it's going to require a lot more democratic planning potentially and a movement beyond the market in in terms of provisioning people in the outer hebrides and provisioning people in liverpool and provisioning people in skegness and provisioning people in you know in the isle of Wight or wherever it might be how do we plan that and we've got the technologies and the skill set and the capabilities to do that and somehow we have to find ways of working against power and you talked earlier about the ways in which the conservative party have mismanaged this i'm not interested in stringing them up I know people who are interested in doing that, but I'm not particularly. I'm interested in people surviving and living. So if we can find some way of working against and beyond power and politics in order to be able to plan for people, you know, I think we've we've shown a lot of mutual aid and local solidarity and support and care and kindness. We have to find ways of sort of amplifying that really and working against this herd immunity marketized bullshit if we can get yeah. as you said a couple of weeks ago if we can get people off the streets we can get people off the streets right and that's it interesting thing about sustainable development really lots of people think immediately about plastic or hunger or quality education and from about sustainable development goal six to sustainable development goal 13 there's just a huge chunk ultimately about infrastructure and about how the world is organized to some degree and i think i think we mentioned it in probably the first podcast we did that i felt that this shows that if you're going to have the market driving everything you need a strong public service alongside it so you can have your market and your capitalism providing you use the capitalism to invest in hospitals and in care systems and in public services across the board i'll tell you the book you want to read is by michael rozworski and lee phillips the people's republic of walmart 
how the world's biggest corporations are laying the foundations for socialism. That's what you want to read. I've got a copy. I'll bring it round. It's really interesting in talking about democratic planning. I read it alongside reading a book on the Venezuelan communes and the commune law under Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. But the kind of two together about kind of local autonomy and autonomous production that is then more centrally, democratically planned and managed in a way that I guess might have happened potentially in the CyberSIM project in Chile and Allende. That's a thing for me. How do we use those infrastructures that have been created under capital? How do we use those infrastructures that would enable us to get, they can get us bananas from Costa Rica just in time. And they, they, we can put people on the moon using those infrastructures. So for me, it just sort of strikes me that there are all, must be all sorts of ways in which we can invert it so that it becomes more democratic and we can yeah. start to think about what kind of planned society do we want? You know, That isn't yeah. a top-down hierarchical, so I'm not interested in the Soviet thing. Not at all. But there have to be ways in which we can decide. And that might mean we have to make compromises. It means we can't fly to the Dominican Republic for that weekend. I can't buy that second home on the Greek island or wherever it is, because socially it's unacceptable because seven billion people can't do that kind of thing. But there will be other ways in which we'll have, you know, we'll have certain ways of living that are enabled. I think that's one of the beautiful things of the virus is that it forces us to have to have these compromise, these kind of conversations about what are we willing to bear? Yeah. What have you got on for the rest of the weekend? I'm going to go running early tomorrow because I want to run down New Walk. That's a walk. That's a run. Nice. Yeah. But I don't want to do it while people are there. No, go early. Go early, go early. Yeah, so that's one thing. It's going to rain tomorrow, though, mate. You really so waterproof, Tom. Yeah, and then uh, I'm going to finish my Bobby Kennedy book. Oh yeah, Bobby K. Then I don't know what else do we do. Then <laughs> I've got the big one tomorrow, mate. I've got the big one. Cleaning the house. Have you? Oh, you like oh, that? Yeah. Cleaning the house, and then I'm doing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a podcast with my main man, um, John Beach from Wakefield. He's he's involved in. You'd you'd like him a lot. He's involved in refugee and asylum seeker work in Leeds. So right. I'm gonna have a bit of a chat with him, and then in the evening, my what National Theatre lie at home is Treasure Island. Oh right. So I'm gonna watch that. That was, that went that went live last night. So we've been watching all of those, those National Theatre um, Theatre at home. They're great. Last week's was yeah. Jane Eyre. It was brilliant. So I commend that to you. I'm going to press stop because I've got my 11-year-old niece is preparing a games, games evening. So that's going on in a bit. And we'll, we'll catch up imminently. Yes. I'm going to press stop. All right. Just press stop. Let's press stop. Peace.